You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Today is Friday, May 21st. And it is indeed another Gonzaga five-star Friday. For those of you that do not know, and this is your first Friday listening to the show, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Uh, But every Friday on the show, we read a Gonzaga story from a fan telling us how they fell in love with the school and why the basketball program specifically means so much to them. If you want to send your story so I can share it, that would be awesome. And there are three ways that you can do it. You can leave it as a review for the podcast after giving us a five-star rating. You can message me on Twitter. Send me a direct message with your story, at scargo, that's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0, or you can tweet me at LockedOnZags, or you can email it to me, which has been by far the most popular way to do so. And that email is LockedOnZags at gmail.com. We are always looking for more stories and it is a really, really cool thing to do, I think, in the offseason to keep everyone engaged with this school while basketball news is at a minimum. So today's Gonzaga story comes from Liz Strand, and here is what she has to say. I have been a Minnesota Gophers fan my whole life. My parents met at the University of Minnesota. Head coach Jim Dutcher lived a handful of houses away from me when I was growing up. I even remember watching Dave Holmgren play. So when the academic scandal broke at Minnesota right before the first round of the 1999 tournament, I was relieved that Minnesota was playing some little school that I had never heard of. Obviously, the Gophers would win this game without some star players. Clearly, I was wrong. So once Gonzaga won the game, I felt the need to cheer for them, mispronouncing their name, of course, hoping that it would vindicate the Gophers if they had won a few games. Then Dan Monson came to Minnesota, and I kept rooting for his old team in the tournament the next couple of years. As a side note, Monson did not get enough credit for cleaning up an absolute academic disaster at Minnesota. I wasn't planning on becoming a GU fan, but by the 2001-2002 season, I was tracking the box scores online, which is when I learned the school was in Spokane. Then the big thing for me was the DirecTV sports pack in the 02-03 season, getting to watch all those games on what was then Fox Sports Northwest. I couldn't even get that many Gopher games on TV back then. I adored the 2004 senior class, led by Blake Stepp, and wondered if my fandom would continue when all of them were gone. Thank heavens for Roni Turioff, as I wanted to keep watching him. And then Derek Ribio after that became a fan favorite, since I love point guards. December 2004 was my first game in person, in Las Vegas against Georgia Tech. I've attended numerous games since then, including sitting underneath the basket when Adam Morrison hit the game winner against Oklahoma State in the battle for Seattle, and also for Morrison's 44 points at LMU, though I still have never been to Spokane. I even recruited my aunt, who lives in Atlanta, to become a fan of Gonzaga, and we went to the Gonzaga-Georgia game in 2006. When my little sister took a job as a professor at LMU back in 2007, I bought her a refrigerator in exchange for her allowing me to root for Gonzaga against LMU. Being a Gonzaga fan has brought me so much joy. Watching Blake Stepp get drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves was so exciting, 
even if he never played in a regular season game. Getting to know so many awesome Zach fans online has been so fun as well. Then I was thrilled when Sam Dower became the first Minnesota kid at Gonzaga, and then came Gino Crandall. I didn't think he could get any better until January 2020 when a kid from my beloved school, Minnehaha Academy, committed to Gonzaga. I mean, Jalen and Chet's high school coach, Lance Johnson, was my fifth grade gym teacher who then married my fourth grade teacher, even if all of that happened way back in the Reagan administration. So that is like the icing on an already fantastic cake. P.S. I still love my Gophers, which only makes me appreciate the Zags more because I never take any of those wins for granted. And there we have it. Another fan who has never even been to Spokane, who is a fan of Gonzaga because they watched the team at the start of their run in the late 90s and early 2000s. It really is remarkable over the last you know, month and a half now hearing how so many people have a similar story like that. Thanks again to Liz for sending in her story. Again, we are always, always, always looking for more to read. They can be serious stories. They can be fun stories. I mean, they could just be about the best game you've ever been to. Whatever you want to say, we want to hear from you. Like I said earlier, there's three ways to do so. So please get in your Gonzaga stories. I read them every Friday on the show. Okay, today on the podcast, we are previewing Gonzaga's three-game series with USF starting tonight. We will also reveal the 14th-ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era, but we start today with a quick Pro-Zags update and also some basketball news out of Provo that I missed yesterday. Rui Hachimura is going to play in the NBA playoffs in just his second year in the league. The Washington Wizards scored about a billion points to beat the Indiana Pacers on Thursday night to eliminate the uh, Pacers and DeMontis Sabonis. I mentioned yesterday, the first two times the Wizards and Pacers played earlier this May, the Washington Wizards put up astronomical offensive numbers. It happened again on Thursday. The Pacers are not a good defensive team whatsoever, and the Wizards took it to them. 142 to 115 in an elimination basketball game. On the losing side, DeMontis Sabonis went 8 for 15 from the field. He had a triple-double in his final game. 19 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. Another triple-double to finish off the season, but it was not enough. The Pacers were never really healthy pretty much all year. Sabonis tried his best to will that team to a playoff spot, but they fell one game shy. And the Washington Wizards, who were almost dead last about two and a half months ago in the NBA, made a remarkable run down the stretch of the season led by Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Rui Hachimura on Thursday night was one of the stars of the game. He played absolutely fantastic. He looked great. Uh, Six of eight from the field in just 25 minutes. He hit a couple threes. He had 18 points, four rebounds, two assists, zero turnovers. So a great game for Rui Hachimura. The Wizards will now play a seven-game series. Now it's the NBA playoffs for real, for real. Now that the tournament, the play-in tournament in the Eastern Conference is over, the Wizards will play the 76ers, who are the top-ranked seed in the Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference tonight, Memphis Grizzlies with Brandon Clark and Killian Tilly take on the Golden State Warriors in San Francisco. The winner of that game will be the eighth seed and take on the Utah Jazz in round one of the Western Conference playoffs. If you want to watch that game tonight, Grizzlies at Warriors, 6 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN. The Grizzlies are a four-point underdog to Stephen Curry's Warriors. Okay, some overseas Zags updates real quick. Nigel Williams-Goss returned for game two of his series 
uh, in the semifinals of the VTB United League. They lost game one without him. They lost game two with him. His return was not enough. They lost by 10 points. Nigel had 12 points and five assists in the loss. Uh, he was four of 12 from the field. So now they're down two games to nothing in the best of five series. On the other side of the bracket is Kevin Pangos's team, and he is tied 1-1 in his series. So it's looking unlikely like we're going to get the dream scenario of Nigel Williams-Goss versus Kevin Pangos in the VTB United League Championship, but you never know uh, if Nigel Williams-Goss's team can win three straight games, then we may still get that after all. But we'll see what happens here uh, in the coming days. Both of those guys, Nigel and Kevin Pangos, will be in action this weekend. So will Silas Melson and Jeremy Jones and Austin Day. All five guys play playoff games either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So we are going to recap all of those on Monday along with the uh, Brandon Clark result from Memphis. And then we'll also talk a little bit about the first two days of the actual NBA playoffs as they kick off Saturday and Sunday. Before we get to Gonzaga baseball, one other note from the WCC. BYU picked up a guard finally in the transfer portal. Tejon Lucas is heading to Provo. He is a more explosive and a more dangerous player than Brandon Averette was. He's a really good pickup uh, for Mark Pope. He started his career uh, at Illinois where he played two seasons. He did not get the number of shots that he really wanted, even though he was um, in and out of the starting lineup and was in the rotation pretty much the entire time. So he transferred to Milwaukee where he had a redshirt transfer year, and he's played in Milwaukee each of the last two seasons. This senior season that just wrapped up, uh, he averaged 15 points and six assists to go along with four and a half rebounds. So he's a little inefficient from the field, but I think that will go back up now that he's surrounded by better teammates. Uh, He is a two-time All-Horizon League player, finishing in the third team this year, second team the prior year. In the 1920 season, he led the Horizon League in both steals and assists which kind of show that he is a decent two-way guard. And so we're awaiting words still on Alex Barcelo. But if they do get him back, Barcelo and Tejan Lucas do uh, create a pretty good uh, one-two combination to go with their pretty decent forwards and good uh, uh, wing players as well. So BYU finally gets the guard that they're looking for in Tejan Lucas. Okay, coming up. San Francisco Dons, they are in town to face Gonzaga in a three-game baseball series starting tonight. We will give you the rundown on USF. We will talk about the pitching matchups for this weekend, and we'll just give you a full series preview here in just a minute. But first, if you need a spot to bet on any of the NBA or NHL playoff action, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to do so. Baseball season's in full swing. And the NBA and NHL are in the playoffs, so it's the perfect time to get in on the fun, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and of course, all of your UFC and MMA action as well. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs in the playoffs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and promo code LOCKED ON. Okay, let's talk about some Gonzaga baseball. They host the USF Dons in a three game West Coast Conference series this weekend. Gonzaga is still in first place in the WCC at 17 and 4 
while the Dons are in third place at 11 and 9. So technically, they do have enough games where if they if the Dons win out and Gonzaga loses out, the Dons theoretically are still alive to win the WCC, but they would have to sweep Gonzaga this weekend. And the Dons have the capability of doing that because they have been incredibly streaky all season long. They started the year taking two out of three from UCLA, who was ranked number two in the country at the time. And then a couple weeks later, USF lost 11 of 12 games. They went 1-11 over a 12-game stretch. And then they followed that up immediately by winning eight games in a row. So a very, very streaky team. You don't know which team is going to show up in a given series. Right now, in the last 10 games, they're 5-5. Five and five. So overall, an incredibly inconsistent team, but a very dangerous team with a lot of good pitching talent. Gonzaga, on the other hand, they've won seven straight WCC games, dating all the way back to April 17th. Here are the pitching matchups for this weekend. Friday night is going to be a good one. Alec Jacob, Gonzaga's ace. He leads the WCC in strikeouts, and he's the one of only two pitchers to hold uh, opposing WCC hitters to a batting average less than 200. And then on the other side is Landon Barasa for the USF Dons. And he leads the WCC in innings pitched, and he has the fourth best ERA of any weekend starter in the WCC. So two really good pitchers, the two aces going at it uh, tonight, Friday night, tonight at 6 o'clock. Um, it should be a fantastic game there. Saturday, William Kempner gets the start for Gonzaga, which means Gabriel Hughes still unavailable for the Zags, and he's going up against Jesse Barron. A uh, pretty good pitching matchup there as well. Kempner is 3-1 and one with a 2-7-3 ERA. Jesse Barron, 4-2 and two with a 2-8-8 ERA. So a couple really good pitching staffs going at it this weekend. And because uh, Gabriel Hughes is out, like I just mentioned, Alec Gomez will be pitching on Sunday, just like he did this past weekend. Uh, Gomez has been absolutely phenomenal in his last three starts now. He's 5-1 and one on the season, which matches Alec Jacob uh, for most wins on the team. And he's got a 3-3-0 ERA. So Alec Gomez on the mound Sunday. Uh, USF has not announced a Sunday starter on their end. Gonzaga will be going up against a USF lineup that has a good middle of the order and then an inconsistent at best rest of the lineup. But those three guys in the middle of the order have been very good all season long. Their second baseman, Luke Keschel, he leads the team hitting 316. He's got an on-base percentage of 408. He never strikes out. Uh, he's only struck out 20 times in 47 games, which is very, very impressive. He's hit three homers. He's second on the team in runs, leads the team in hits, along with Jack Winkler. They're tied with 55 hits this year. Winkler leads the team uh, in doubles with 16 doubles this season. He also leads the team, or second on the team, in RBIs. And he's number one in slugging percentage as he leads the team with seven home runs this season. The other the guy... In the middle of their order is their first baseman, Jacob Munoz, who's hitting 275, and he leads the team with 38 RBIs this season. So a good 3-4-5 in their order. As long as Gonzaga can handle those three guys, I would imagine they're going to be able to put some runs up themselves, get to the USF bullpen, and they should be able to take at least two out of three in this series. And taking two out of three in this series would be huge for their hopes of hosting an NCAA regional they are Gonzaga is 17th in the RPI currently. The Dons are right around that 150 mark. So taking two out of three would be big. Taking three out of three would be huge. And if they do take three out of three this weekend, it's possible that they wrap up the WCC championship before they even face San Diego next week. They're two games ahead of the Toreros. 
And this weekend, San Diego is hosting Portland. They actually played their first game of the series uh, last night, Thursday night, and San Diego won that game. So San Diego is technically only a game and a half behind Gonzaga for the uh, WCC regular season championship. And right now, in a lot of the bracketology, San Diego is right on that border of getting into the NCAA tournament. So they are going to be playing with a lot of fire here in the uh, the uh, final six games of the season. And it's very possible those final three games in Spokane next weekend determine not only the winner of the WCC, but San Diego's NCAA tournament fate as well, and also Gonzaga's uh, chances at hosting a regional. So a possibility of just an absolutely enormous three-game series coming up next weekend. But first, Gonzaga's got to get through San Francisco and a very good pitching staff and a very good heart of the order. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Uh, Friday and Saturday's games are at 6 p.m. on the WCC Network. And then Sunday's game will be at noon. And locally, that game will be on SWX. Okay, coming up, we are going to reveal the 14th ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. And I have a couple of confessions and a couple of apologies about these rankings. But first, we have to talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate and all bars. If you aren't sure what flavor you want, and I recommend salted caramel, you can try Mixed Box with multiple flavors. They just came out this week with a white chocolate birthday cake flavor. But all of the flavors that they have are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. And not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They are great for the health-conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bose Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, we are going to continue our recruiting class rankings from worst to best of the Mark Few era. And before we get to today's rankings, I want to first apologize to Rem Bacamus. I mentioned yesterday that he was part of the class that we talked about, but I neglected to really talk about him as a player. And so I want to do so very quickly before we get into today's class. Uh, Rem's energy brought life to the Gonzaga bench and to uh, the players on the court as well. And he was pretty much the face of the Gonzaga bench mob uh, for the time he was there. And he's also become a really, really good basketball mind. And he just won a national championship at Baylor, uh, unfortunately for Gonzaga fans, of course as a grad assistant while he was there, and now he's heading on to Arizona to be on Tommy Lloyd's staff. So it looks like he has a very, very bright coaching future ahead of him, and so I just want to apologize to all of Rem Bacamus's fans out there that I forgot to talk about him yesterday on the podcast. Okay, so now on to today's ranking, which coincidentally, I also messed up. I'll explain why here in a second. Today, the 14th ranked recruiting class is the class of... 2005 and the class of 2005 consists of Jordan Mast, Mamory Diallo, Larry Gorganis, and Jeremy Pargo. Originally, I had Micah Downs as part of this class and teamed him up with Jeremy Pargo, but that would be incorrect. He was actually part of the 2006 class with Matt Bolden, which would have obviously bumped that class up a spot or two and this one down a spot or two. 
but it's too late to recognize my error, and it only took 12 episodes of these classes for me to finally make a major error, so I apologize for that. But since we're talking about him, let's discuss Micah Downs. He was a top 50 prospect out of the Seattle area, and he ended up going to Kansas instead of sticking around in the state of Washington. He realized after a year with the Jayhawks that he wanted to come back home. And so he went to Gonzaga for his final three seasons. He was a role player in the 06-07 year. And then he did end up teaming up with Jeremy Pargo once he got on campus. And uh, he was a kind of an on and off starter in the 08 season. And then he was primarily used as a starter uh, in the 09 year. He averaged just about 10 points along with four and a half rebounds. And he and Jeremy Pargo helped lead Gonzaga back to the Sweet 16 in 2009. Micah Downs would then go on to play several, several years uh, overseas. And he was a double-figure scorer pretty much every single place he went. He played in Italy. He played in Spain. He played in Belgium. He played in the Ukraine. He played in France. And this year, he plays in Germany, where he is still averaging double figures. He's averaged in double figures 13 years in a row. So shout out to Micah Downs for making a fantastic international career for himself after leaving Gonzaga. Okay, now let's get to the guys that were actually in this recruiting class. And let's start with Jordan Mast. And people may not even remember who Jordan Mast was, and that's fair because he only played 12 games for Gonzaga and he played a whopping 32 minutes in his career and he made two shots. So he didn't have exactly the greatest uh, basketball career as a player, but he has had a successful career as a coach. Since leaving Gonzaga, he has been an assistant coach at Caltech, and now he's actually the head coach at the University of Antelope Valley, which is an NAIA school, and he has been a, a member of the coaching staff there since 2017. He was an associate head coach for a couple of seasons, and now, prior to the 1920 season, uh, he is the head coach. So shout out to Jordan Mass for becoming a college head coach. Mamory Diallo, he played seven games for Gonzaga, and then he left to go play basketball overseas, where he played for a couple of years, and now I don't know where he's at. He is not researchable. He ended his basketball career sometime in the late 2000s, early 2010s, um, so I hope he's doing well, but he only played seven minutes in his Gonzaga career before he moved on. Larry Gerganius, he was in the Gonzaga program for three years. He played as a freshman 31 games, average a point and a half and uh, seven and a half minutes. Then he took a redshirt year, and then he was part of the outside of the rotation where he averaged 12 minutes and actually started two games in the 07-08 season. He averaged three and a half points and three rebounds, so he wasn't uh, that bad of a player. But then he transferred out, and he went to UC Riverside, where he was a starter and played 30 minutes uh, his final season in college. He averaged eight and a half points and six and a half rebounds. He was a a six six kind of guard wing hybrid. And he, at uh, UC Riverside, he had the chance to kind of show all of his talents uh, with more and more playing time. As far as I can tell, he did not have any kind of overseas career like a lot of other players have had that we've been talking about. And as far as I know, he's also not a, uh, a coach now. So I don't know what he is up to in his uh, professional career. But I do know that he was a decent role player in the kind of back end of the rotation on that 07-08 Gonzaga team. But of course, the shining star of this recruiting class is Jeremy Pargo, one of the great Gonzaga guards of all time, one of the most athletic guards, 
arguably the most athletic guard that Gonzaga has ever seen. He started all 103 games in his final three seasons for Gonzaga. He averaged double figures every year. He won the Conference Player of the Year as a junior. And he's top five all-time in Gonzaga history in both assists and steals, which is the true testament to an all-around point guard. He was an incredible dunker. He had plenty of just insane highlights. And he also went on to have a fantastic uh, professional career. All you have to do is look at his Wikipedia page, and it'll tell you everything that you need to know about his international career. He was a three-time Israeli Cup champion. He was the Israeli League Cup MVP in 2010. He won the Slam Dunk Championship in 2011 in the Israeli League. He was the assist leader in the Israeli League in 2015. He won the VTB League Championship in 2014. He won the Russian League Championship in 2014. And he was an all-Euroleague second-teamer in 2011. He also made a stint last year with the Warriors. He signed a 10-day contract with the Golden State Warriors in the 1920 season, averaged uh, 8.5 points in the three games he played for them. He played for Memphis, Cleveland, and Philadelphia in the early 2010s, waited six years to get back to the NBA, and then played for Golden State. It was six years and 316 days between games in the NBA, which is the sixth longest gap between game appearances in NBA history. So a successful basketball career for Jeremy Pargo, but perhaps his biggest impact uh, in terms of Gonzaga was that he opened up the Chicago pipeline. Zach Norvell obviously is the first one that comes to mind, but they're also starting to recruit this kid named A.J. Casey, who is a forward in the 2022 class who's also from the Chicago area. First guy that they ever got from Chicago um, that made a huge impact was Jeremy Pargo in that class of 2005. Though I messed up thinking Micah Downs was in it, uh, is still a very, very good class because of Jeremy Pargo's impact on future talent coming to Spokane. And Jeremy Pargo was the WCC Player of the Year during his Gonzaga career. And he led Gonzaga to a Sweet 16 in that 2009 tournament. So enough for me to still keep this class in the top 15. Okay, that is going to do it for today's show. Monday, we are going to recap everything that happens over the weekend. Gonzaga's baseball series with San Francisco, San Diego's baseball series with Portland, kind of give an update on where exactly Gonzaga stands in the WCC landscape and the national landscape heading into the final week of the regular season. We are just nine days away from Selection Sunday um, in terms of uh, NCAA D1 baseball. We'll also recap everything that goes on in the NBA over the weekend, uh, some Gonzaga players playing in the playoffs, and also Gonzaga players playing overseas in the playoffs. Don't forget, you can tune into the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today on the podcast, they are talking about the Phoenix Suns, and I mentioned this yesterday, but their question on today's podcast is, are Phoenix Suns fans disappointed that they have to face the Los Angeles Lakers? And I would imagine the answer to that question is a yes. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again to Liz Strand for sending in her Gonzaga story today. Don't forget to leave a review with your own Gonzaga story, and I will read them every Friday on this show. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Escargo. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. If you want to email the show with your story or any questions or ideas that you have that you want me to talk about, feel free to do so. LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your weekend. We will see you back here on Monday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.